I told Uasis that you would learn something from each other. I told him that you were the heart of the podcast. I told him, Mikey, that you were the real Varsity Views Miracle Man. You did? I did. So be that man, Mikey. Be that man. What is up, podcast world? It's your guy, Tom Runger, checking in for part three of the Ducks trilogy. That's right. We are hitting on D3, the Mighty Ducks. Once again, I am joined with my two fearless co-hosts, Mike Gassett and Uasis Princhavikits. Gentlemen, how's it going? Pleasure to be here with you for the third and final installment of the Ducks. How are you both feeling tonight? Pretty good. Happy to be here for number three. Excited to uh, close out the trilogy. And it is with heavy hearts that we come to you guys. Uh, You know, we've all been hit pretty bad by the coronavirus, but uh, especially here at Varsity Views, we've actually lost most of our major sponsorships. And so... We're coming out to you guys open-handed, and you know we know you guys are loving the pod. If you could just reach into your pockets, <laughs> any little. I mean, the stats speak for themselves. We're pe- people want it. You know, we can't afford to do this all on our own. The numbers keep climbing. Uh, you know, the listenership is is out of this world. But um, you know, anything you guys can do to contribute to, to keep this pod afloat it would mean a lot. Um, you, you might think this is a cheap pod to run. You'd be wrong. Yeah. Even, honestly, the equipment alone, as, you know, I haven't fed my dog in weeks. So, um, anyways, but enough, you know, enough about the sob story. We're here, to, we're here to perform for the people, rain, shine, whatever the case may be. As I said, we are hitting on D3, the Mighty Ducks. Uh, very controversial installment to this trilogy, but we will get into that. First, we are going to hit on some of the important statistics from this film. I will go over uh, the two-sentence plot synopsis. We'll kick off our opening thoughts, and then we're going to dive right into the categories today because we've got a lot to cover. So, D3 The Mighty Ducks was released in October 1996, and the film grossed $23 million. For the plot, Here we go. Having achieved a modicum of fame from their earlier adventures, all the members of the Mighty Ducks hockey team are awarded scholarships, uh, minus Jesse Hall, to a prestigious prep school. But they must now play in the school's uniforms and renounce their freewheeling style for the more disciplined approach of their new coach, Ted O'Ryan. After star player Charlie quits the team, their old coach, Gordon Bombay, must return to invigorate the Ducks' spirit. All righty, there's our opening kickoff, uh, given the backstory to D3. We're going to do a real brief round the horn here. Initial thoughts watching uh, D3 here, Uasis, uh, especially in the context uh, – compared to the first two films we viewed. What, what, what was your first takeaway from D3? So this is my uh, second favorite of the trilogy. It reaffirmed that I like D2 significantly more. And then one of my takeaways was I forgot how little Bombay actually was in this movie. 
for being like the uh, the number one credit and the frontliner. I forgot that he was barely in this movie and he basically did like cameos. Um, that was my main like takeaway. I, I for- completely forgot about that. The internet research uh, showed he, he actually had a conflict. He was, uh, I forget the movie he was taping at this time. I'd never heard of it. Um, but yeah, he had a conflict and supposedly he did D3 for free in order to get Disney to, to fund his other movie he was doing. But yeah, you're right. He's, I think it said he was in less than 20 minutes of, of runtime. Uh, Mikey, initial thoughts uh, on your most recent viewing? Uh, well, watching this movie... I'm going to say the first like two thirds of it, I was, I was pretty worried. Um, I, I thought it actually might be worse than D1. Um, there is a pretty big turnaround once um, at, at a certain scene. I won't go into spoilers just yet, um, but I'm going to say the back, back third of this movie really saved it for me. And it's probably the back, the back third of this movie is probably the best of the trilogy. I'll say uh, for me, um, this is by far my favorite in the trilogy. I know that's different than uh, the two of you. I love this movie. I think overall it just is a little, I mean, naturally it's a little bit more adult in its themes uh, as the kids are older, but it definitely is not without its flaws. I could have done with a few less of the prank scenes, Um so yeah, the film had its flaws, but this by far is my favorite. There's a lot of different things that I thoroughly enjoyed in this movie, which we'll get into. We're going to try to cruise along on today's podcast. Uh, so we're not going to dilly dally going over scene by scene for the beginning. We're going to hop right into the categories and hopefully we'll talk about some of the scenes that way. So let's just skip right to it, folks. First category, this is always the one we hit on uh, initially. We are varsity views. We are uh, evaluating these films in the context of a sports movie. So we like to grade the sports scenes here. Um, we're going to talk about what worked, what didn't work, what was uh, what we enjoyed and didn't enjoy specific to the hockey in this film. Uh, kick us off, Mikey. What do you think watching uh, the, the hockey being played in D3? I thought it was kind of interesting because I feel like this movie didn't really know what they were going for. I think the scenes where they were actually trying to play hockey for real were probably some of the most realistic and best of the series, but then they would also just throw in random jokes here and there. So I think, I think this probably had some of the better hockey scenes of the series, but then it also would go back. I mean, granted it is just like a kid's movie and stuff, so I get it, but um, it, it seemed like they were kind of trying to toe both lines of having legitimate hockey then mixed with just like random kind of jokes here and there. This film definitely has the least actual hockey in it, which like you could say that's a good or a bad thing. Um, again, I think, I think we all kind of had the opinion that in the initial two films, there was, you know, some of the hockey was good, but it was, it was a lot of just like, caricature type type stuff so you know i i was actually fine with not having as much hockey um can we talk about their first game a little bit um so <laughs> this jv team is uh to, to put it in context you know this is the team fairly fresh off winning the uh junior goodwill game so you know you could say hypothetically the best in the world at this age group come in get scholarships to high school their first game against the rival Blake Bears, jump out to a 9-0 lead. Everything's cruising, goals scored left and right, easy breezy. Uasis, 
where does this rank in terms of biggest blown leads? If we're saying the Falcons blowing their 28-3 Super Bowl lead, the Warriors blowing a 3-1 series lead to the Cavs, and the JV Warriors blowing a 9-0 third period lead. <laughs> I mean, how bad of a tie did this end up being? I mean, the first, like, 10 minutes of the scene, they're showing how good the Ducks are. And they score nine goals in two periods. And they're just like, oh, these guys are a wagon. And then they give up nine. It's wild that, like, they're, like, so good at offense, so good at offense. They score nine goals over two periods. And then the back third of the game, they give up nine. It's It was bananas to me to, like, uh, to see that. I forgot that they, like, tied. It's crazy. It was- and then uh, Orion had the a great quote where he's just like, I would have preferred they lost that I could teach them something. And the turnaround has no real explanation. Like there's, there's no sort of catalyst that, that happens to lead the Blake bears to suddenly turn into like the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, it's basically just like the third period, they come out with a fire and just start dropping the ducks like flies or sorry, the JV warriors. Uh, Mikey, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, I think it was the culmination of everything that Bombay set in place is, I mean, we've talked to, to ends on this podcast that Bombay is not a good coach. He clearly, <laughs> his biggest defensive uh, tactic was giving a kid a lasso during a game. Um, and, and, you know, it burned him in this game. Like the minute they had to play offense, they just get absolutely screwed. Um, I mean, I, I was pretty, one of my biggest disappointments with, was with uh, Julie the Cat, who's supposed to just be an all-star in the goal she's literally just dancing around between the posts waiting like just like begging for some action and then she gives up six goals in maybe two and a half minutes like (laughs) i I mean it just it really showed the uh i mean why why they suddenly had to play defense when they didn't the first like two periods i don't know but I i think it was just really trying to show that the ducks aren't aren't the team that they uh they thought they were yeah, mental no-show from Julie the Cat, I'll agree. The, the two other problems I had with this uh, initial game, number one, Orion, how about a timeout, man? Like, l- like, let's try to squash the momentum a little bit as the Blake Bears are just reeling off goal after goal in the third period. Maybe, you know, let's, let's try to catch our breath and, and make some adjustments. And then <laughs> maybe the most psychotic part of this whole game when you know i think blake scored maybe their seventh or eighth goal here so they're they're almost like fully i think it's like their seventh or eighth goal and conway gets like totally juked with the you know make him make the first move so that's bad into itself conway then (laughs) takes his stick and just absolutely shatters it against the goal to which he promptly like i'm pretty sure shards hit the uh like referee in the face Referee gives him a two-minute penalty for unsportsmanlike. And Conway's indignation to getting this penalty call is psychotic. Like, he's, he's totally uh, flabbergasted and indignant that the ref gave him a penalty for doing well, that, which, like, well, I more, that be- more importantly as well, he really sets himself up for failure with the, uh, the chick he's trying to plow the entire movie. Because her whole thing is, you know, I'm not going to get with any jock. And he's like, oh, I'm not like that. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm different. Then, you know, first thing goes wrong and he just shatters his stick and then just throws a whole scene uh, to the ref. So, you know, it, it's a miracle Charlie, you know, makes any sort of headway with her towards the end of the film. 
can, can we also ask, did Louise, uh, like, did he forget how to stop between D2 and D3? Because, like, he learns yeah. it due to, <laughs> you know, Jans is setting up a thousand Coke cans for 20 hours of his life. And then, like, the first play of this game, he just basically jumped. I mean, again, everyone's vertical in the Ducks films is unreal. Because he just jumps an entire goal, like, into the glass. Um, and I was just wondering when he forgot how to stop it's it's like markel uh Foltz is like uh jump shot like he like kind of develops it but then kind of it goes away and then like kind of it's back his skill development is very questionable i agree he like learns how to stop then forgets again um and you think else? that's something you just learn and then it's in place i don't know if that's <laughs> something you like forget but i don't know Although the move of like going so fast and then jumping like over the goal, it, it like distracted the goalie enough to where the puck just like easily went in for a goal. So it's honestly not that bad of a move to like <laughs> go full speed and like act like you're going to basically like kamikaze the goal. Well, fairly certain that's not legal in real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else from this first game? I had a few uh, – th- the the other comments I had are mostly from the the final game, but anything else you guys want to hit on from game one here? Yeah, I mean there were eighteen goals, and they basically set up uh, that Dean uh, to basically just be this dorky old guy the entire time. So like a goal scored for the the good guys, and he's doing kind of like old man dorky high fives, and then he kind of like set him up that anytime something good or bad happens, it just kind of pans over to the uh, to the Dean. Oh, now the wheels are coming off. Maybe we should sell these scholarships or whatever. This is like five minutes into the movie. <laughs> like it's just like, what are you doing? Well, yeah, that kind of he did that throughout the movie pretty much. It it was good to it was good to see Bill Nye the science guy getting into film though. <laughs> um, let's skip ahead. Uh, the the scrimmage with the varsity was pretty cool. I thought in terms of like strict gameplay, that was actually probably like my favorite. It was just like intense and, and it was pretty good, but it was, you know, short lived. Um, the final game, I have a few thoughts. Um, number one, when the ducks come out and they're, you know, doing their quack quack, the entire Eden hall crowd just like starts cheering and like doing the quack with them. What, like, why would this? Uh, why does the whole crowd jump on the Ducks bandwagon when this they're essentially trying to like torpedo the the school <laughs> and basically like totally destroy their tradition and everything? Um, not, I, I didn't quite understand why they were all backing the Ducks there. I mean, my big question for that too is just like wherever the Ducks go, they basically just throw away their jerseys and just become the Ducks. So like, why does these? <laughs> Like, why does Eden Hall want to, like, we want to hire this team or give them scholarships so they basically can just spit in our jerseys and just become, no, oh, never mind, I want to be the Ducks. They did that in Team USA. They did that for <laughs> District 5. And now they did that for Eden Hall. It's like every step of the way, it's like, oh, wait, I hate this team. Let's go Let's go Ducks again. So g- going off this, this goes into unanswerable questions slash things I'd like <clears throat> to see. I, this goes into a few categories, but – I would just love to see like any other team for this school, like come Monday after this scrimmage when they're just like, Oh, Hey, sorry, by the way, Eden hall is now the ducks. You have to throw away all your gear. Like what about the basketball team? What about the lacrosse team? What about the, what about the damn mathletes? They're going to show up and it's all of a sudden like, Hey, you're no longer the warriors. You're, you're now the ducks because the JV hockey team beat the varsity. Like, I don't know a lot about prep schools, but I don't think that's how it works, where they can just win one game and it changes the entire mascot. 
the freshman team too. The freshman team. <laughs> right. I, I, I 100% agree. That was one of my like initial thoughts. I think in, in like rewatching this a bunch of times, I think you have to be led to believe that like hockey is by far the biggest deal at this school. If even they like have other sports, which I mean, you'd assume they would, but, but I mean, even, even still, you can't just right. have one it's still team. like, it sounds like this is a prestigious school that's been around for like years. And then like one JV scrimmage is going to be like, Hey, we're the ducks now. Yeah. They got to do a full rebranding. That's going to cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in uh, all those fees. But, uh, uh, other thoughts I had from this game, a few questions. Um, we've talked about sort of like some of the injuries being questionable and some of the like checking, like what's legal, what's not legal. The injury to Guy Germain where he gets checked and like gets injured and has to like leave the game looked nothing but clean to me. Like it was a pretty standard check. It actually looked uh, eerily reminiscent of the uh, – play that took out Bombay's ACL for no apparent reason but again it looked like a totally fine hit and then Guy Germain's injured uh but the most interesting injury here was to Averman um he gets checked into the boards they start playing the like uh oh he's seeing stars music and he starts to slink down the uh down the boards and a dude comes and I think we witnessed the first ever like groin check where the guy like just checks him with basically his like junk in Averman's face and gives him a concussion. Like if you go back and watch the replay, it's, it's straight dick to uh, Averman's face. And then he's like, he's like escorted off the ice. So yeah, let's uh, be honest. That way Averman likes it. <laughs> and so he wasn't concussed. He was just euphoric. He was, he was creaming, he's, he's creaming his jeans. He had to hit the bench to recover. <laughs> a little post-coital glow, maybe, for Averman. <laughs> um, anything else? Uh, def- definitely the changing of the guard to the, to the Ducks was a big one. Anything else from the final game or just from the gameplay in general that we need to hit on? I mean, it was just foreshadowing. Basically, like, the first game or whatever, like, you got you to get a goose egg to win the game. Like, Charlie, don't be a little uh, show-off or whatever. And basically, like, the exact opposite happened um, the second game. Um, so it's kind of nice to see it all pulled together. But And basically uh, affirm that, like, Orion's not an idiot. But, like, Conway's just, like, hard on for Coach Bombay as a father figure. Like, doesn't necessarily, like, need to happen throughout every single movie. But I mean, I know we're going to get into this more, but... A, Coach Orion is the fucking man. He is, like, the best part of this film. And B, I, I, don't, I might hate Charlie Conway in D3 more than I've hated Averman in every, any film so far. Like, I, I've never – God, I've never just wanted to, like, beat the shit out of, like, a fictional character more than I did Charlie Conway in this movie. He is such a whiny little bitch, and I hated him in this movie. I mean, Conway's the villain in this movie, I think. Like – like, yeah. not the varsity team. Like, Conway's the villain. Like, he's the one that ruins their entire team. No, uh, not to mention their team, stops. but also all of their chances at, like, a future with, like, uh, their full-ride <laughs> academic yeah. scholarship. Like, Conway's like, oh, like, that's more important than the Ducks? And they're like, uh, yeah, like, I'm trying to get out of downtown L.A. Like, you're fucking right it is. Uh, I mean, to to be honest, Chuck Conway's just following in the footsteps of his mentor, uh, Bombay, in this film and just being, like – very 
uh, spoiled and uh, childish and like emotionally unstable. So I mean, no, he's I, literally <laughs> following Coach Bombay. That man has a weird attachment to that grown adult who's like ten to fifteen years older than him that is not healthy. Who yeah. went on one date with his mom and now he just needs <laughs> like a father. Uh, fun fact: If you look closely at uh, at Conway's mom in this film, she is not wearing a wedding ring. So I think. We're meant to believe I, that I was going to ask. Are we last. supposed to believe divorce, death? Uh, what, what are we supposed I to believe? I think divorced, given given how his mom treated most relationships. I I'd... I would not throw past uh, some some investigation into Charlie Conway under death under mysterious circumstances, <laughs> trying to get Bombay back in the picture with his mom. I don't I don't think that would. I, I'd say after the Team USA championship bombay probably had a had a few too many uh michelob ultras gave gave conway's mom a call late night and you know the marriage disintegrated from there so so in uh in d uh in d1 she mentions like are you gonna come back when charlie's back and stuff like that do you think these guys leave when they meet charlie when they come back after their <laughs> first date with her like they're just like oh wait never mind i'm out I mean, given Charlie's performance in this film, absolutely. Uh, I don't care how hot the mom is. I'm out the minute I meet Charlie. <sighs> Let's hit the coach's challenge. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we've already brought up a few questions uh, in the gameplay. Coach's challenge here, we're hitting uh, some unrealistic moments, plot holes, questions with the script. For me, this starts in not the opening scene, but one of the opening scenes. Uh, the Ducks rollerblading entrance to Eden Hall is more unbelievable and more stylized than like the heist scene in Fast and Furious 7. Like, <laughs> this is truly incredible what we're witnessing as Goldberg is like going 60 miles per hour backwards down a down a steep incline through traffic uh just everything that happens here is is incredible uh, again we see conway's athleticism is like unparalleled by any athlete in, in like any sport uh mikey what stood out to you from that scene well i, I mean that scene is just straight bonkers for a lot of reasons i mean it starts with why is charlie's mom dropping him off in an alley with Fulton Reed clearly like 10 to 15 miles away from the school when he's clearly already late. Um, I mean, you talk about the athleticism of Conway. Can we talk about the athleticism of Goldberg? And I never, a sentence I never thought I'd say, but the fact that he is doing that entire thing backwards with a sheet over his head, with a pit bull <laughs> biting him. And then the fact that both of them leap off of like a 30 foot overpass <laughs> and then land somehow just with the rest of the team is just absolutely mind-boggling um and then they like show up and then again charlie has like the the, the sheer gall to them to be like, oh hey what's up we're the ducks expecting just everyone to just welcome them with open arms um yeah i mean that scene is that i i've seen a lot of movies and i don't know if i've ever seen anything quite like it also, why are, I mean, this is a small thing, but why is like half the ducks just like in the audience? Like, were they not going to get introduced? And then like, I don't know that anyways, that whole <laughs> scene was uh, really questionable. Um, well, my, my, my big thing for that one too is like, why is Charlie wearing his ducks jersey? Like, what an <laughs> asshole that guy is. And then two, it's just like, 
Goldberg <laughs> not being even able to skate? Like, this this guy just won the Junior World Games, and, like, one of your team members, granted he's a goalie, but, like, doesn't know how to skate at all to the point where at the end of the movie, 40 minutes – sorry, three games later, he's out there in the last three guys because he's earned it. So against the varsity, Goldberg, who three games ago didn't even know how to skate, scores the winning goal. Like, come on. And, and would we say he's earned it, given the fact that he literally just, like, sabotages Julia the Cat's, like, nutrition and health uh, over the course of the movie? Um, I mean, we'll get into it later, but Goldberg's definitely in my contention for LVP, given the fact that he not only, again, tries to ruin Julia the Cat's chances on the team, but also potential, like, health and future. I'm, I mean, shame on the state of Maine's uh, education system for failing Julie the Cat so badly that she actually entertained the idea of Goldberg <laughs> being her nutritional coach. Like, oh, what is this? Uh, like a stuffed donut? Okay, like carbo load. <laughs> Which, uh, okay. That's this a fair point. You shouldn't be taking nutrition advice from like by far the fattest person on the team, but... <laughs> But still, this does. I was gonna save this for um, the post game presser, but since we're talking about it, we might as well address it now. Uh, once and for all, let's answer the question Julie the cat or Goldberg? The cat. I mean, who has a better set of yabos? <laughs> Goldberg in that scene where well, he then just, it's a tie. <laughs> Goldberg, Goldberg in that scene where he, or I think it's the scene where they post the starting lineup and Goldberg like runs over to the board. He's he, like, oh. he needs a sports bra. Uh, all right. Um, which, which again, another question like Orion posting the positions after a single practice is fairly questionable there. Uh, really. And, practice that he like showed up late for and then basically like fought with the team for half of the practice then suddenly he like has all the lineups down i mean i disagree Um, i think from that one practice he saw absolutely everything he needed to see i mean he knew that conway was a bitch he knew that conway wasn't going to be a team player he knew that banks was ready for the big time he knew goldberg should not be anywhere near an athletic event those are all pretty good points. I will I mean, say question that, one move that he made. You can't do it. No, I will. I'll question the initial interaction with Conway. Okay, so they're practicing. They're doing the rope-a-dope with, uh, with, with Cowboy, which, like, again, get mad at them all you want. Orion shows up late to practice. So, like, if he'd been on time, you know. It, it, was he late or were they just early doing a rope-a-dope? I don't know. Okay, then they're warming up. Like, he's, he overreacts. He comes in, just goes ultimate hardo on them and, you know, tries to drop the hammer. You can call me Coach, Coach Orion. And then Charlie just hits him with a, you can call me Charlie, and extends his hand for a shake to which, like, Orion ices him. Like, I didn't think that, like. Sarcastic tone. Think back to any high school sport you ever played. Think of, think of Coach Gone, Bennett Academy, walking in. And Hags is running around rope doping you with the lasso before practice. Your ass is a running shot there. <laughs> um, I mean, look, Don't all I'm lose s- our one listener. <laughs> all, all I'm saying that, is like that was they, a shout out to Hags. They could have met in the middle, is what I'm saying. Orion 
could have handled that situation a little bit differently. Um, let's see here. What else? One of the big, uh, one of the big questions that we've maybe touched on a little bit, but we can discuss here is did Eden Hall, uh, did the JV team in fact deserve for their scholarships to be revoked? Um, and we will answer that question after the break. <laughs> we are brought to you today by the Blue Cross Blue Shield of America, uh, providing only the best in health insurance for those who need it most. Um, thank you to Blue Cross Blue Shield for offering us, the three of us all, health insurance at a uh, standard non-discounted rate, um, which is great because they're their rates are their rates are nothing but fair, so we don't even need a discount. Um, but if you are interested in more information, we don't know. I'm not sure the website, so just Google uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and then you can probably find their homepage through that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what they do is health insurance. But if not, you can check out what other stuff they do. Uh, so thanks again to Blue Cross Blue Shield for uh, supporting us and Varsity Views. All right, let's kick back to uh, the question of did, in fact, so we heard Bombay argue that they did not have just cause to remove or revoke these scholarships. Let's talk about it. Did Eden Hall and the boosters have just cause? I'm going to say yes and no. I'm going to say no in the fact that I don't think they can get their scholarship taken away just for the fact they lost one game. I'm going to say Bombay's argument of you have no cause, like this team's done nothing against the school. You have no cause for taking away their scholarship. I'm going to say that's bullshit. The, the nitro, uh, the liquid nitrogen prank alone had to have cost that school thousands of dollars. They've, they've been literally towing the line of discipline since the first day they've gotten there. I think that alone, you could argue is justification for taking away the scholarship. Yeah, if you go outside the rink, that's probably, to your point, more justified. But to for clarification, they they played like a full season. So the team had like an up and down season. It's it's like referenced briefly in uh, one of the radio broadcasts that Hans is look, listening to, where they say like, oh, the the JV Warriors have like lost a few games. Like their one bright spot has been like Goldberg on defense. So like. The this is coming towards so I'm, I'm guessing they play like a 15 game schedule or something that we just don't see, and then the showdown with the varsity is like an end of the season thing. So it's not like they lost one game mm-hmm. and now they're losing their scholarships. I think it's like after they've had a kind of ho hum season. Well, yeah, if you're gonna say the one bright spot is Goldberg on defense, then yes, you deserve your scholarship revoked. Yeah, that came that came over the radio waves. Uh, the question I had is, okay, so was Banksy also going to lose his scholarship? <laughs> Cause like he's been on varsity. I'm assuming if Banks is doing what Banks does, he's, he's probably performing. And then, but like when they're having that hearing, Banksy's just like roped in with the rest of the underachieving JV squad. So is he going to like, if this happens, is he just going to be like kicked out of the school as well? Um, that was, that was one of the questions I had, but I don't know. You asked us any thoughts on that? I mean, it seemed like it was like, I feel like the scholarship, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like you can't be taken away from a 14-year-old kid due to like performance on an athletic field. I'm with Mike that there's cause 
for the damage they did to the school, but for like for how they played, my guess is no. I, I would say no. There's there's no way. There's legal cause to do that. Yeah, at that point, it would probably be the semantics. It would be more, more, maybe more justified to like expel them versus revoking their scholarships. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much like the emotional climax of the film was was Bombay like <laughs> muscling the booster board to uh, retain the scholarships, which was kind of like uh, okay, like is this really the message we want to send? But whatever, it is what it is. Let's hit on best quote, best scene. Uh, I think we actually skipped this one in D2, but let's talk about favorite scene or scenes from the movie or a quote that you particularly love. Uh, Uasis, go ahead, kick us off here. What do you got? I liked that. Uh, I like the initial scene with Coach Orion where he posts, I know we kind of briefly talked about it, but where he posts the uh, roster, he just kind of sets the tone that he's a little bit no nonsense. And it just instills in you that like, yeah, these ducks are kind of like, privileged assholes right now and it kind of like gives them the first dose of reality that they've had in you know two movies um so that's by far my favorite one plus there's a couple of funny scenes where uh you know goldberg has his little freak out you know banks is like third line center and they kind of leave you hanging there but it's like for varsity um uh, which i enjoy too but um yeah that's probably my favorite i wouldn't say like I don't think this uh, this movie is littered with awesome scenes or quotes. Obviously, I'm give, I'm letting you guys have the uh, podium for Portman's entrance, um, Dean Portman's entrance, but I, I like that first scene. I know we kind of talked about it, but that's probably my favorite. That's a that's I like that scene too. And if you extend it back a little bit to when uh, Orion first shows up and he's kind of giving the initial speech, I just love how uh, Averman is is trying to suck up to him and and orion is just shredding him left and right where he's like to win coach orion sir and then he's like no you idiot and he's just like everything averman says he's just like just puts him away it's it's very funny it's a low-key uh funny scene um mikey how about you favorite scene um if i'm talking legit like uh, emotional scene uh, i actually love the scene when bombay takes charlie out and he sees coach orion kind of skating with his um like daughter in the wheelchair and kind of like puts charlie in his place so, like hey don't like don't act like you know this person like I-, I thought that was actually a pretty good like emotional scene of the movie um i'll i'll leave it to you because i know you got i, I agree with yozi i do think the the whole last game is is probably some of the best that the series has to offer um so i'll, I'll leave it to you on that if we're, if we're going just best line though i i i absolutely loved when uh when um knuckle puck i'm blanking on his name right now is teaching ken kenny kenny woo how to talk shit <laughs> he just like isn't getting it and then he just goes, no, you got to be more like precise, be more direct. And Kenny just stands up, like looks a guy in the eye and just goes, yo, number nine, bite me. <laughs> and then just gets instantly like checked yeah. back into the bench. Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. I thought, I thought Kenny Wu was used very well in this movie. Every line he had was pretty much solid, but very sparingly. Yeah, I'll um, throw in uh, some of my favorite lines too before Tom, um, you know, has his way with the, the Portman <laughs> scene, but the uh, the opposing varsity coach. Um, well, the one thing that I had a question is like Orion is this like former NHL player, but he's just the freshman 
freshman coach. So, like, who is this varsity coach and why is he such a big deal? But he has some of the best throwaway lines in the uh, in the final scrimmage. Um, just kind of like, you know, when his team kind of messes up or whatever, they kind of pans to him and he has some of the best throwaway lines where it's just like, like you know, kind of just muttering under his breath. Um, but he was like a nice little comedic relief for that last final seat, which was kind of tense. So he was kind of that like, you know, the Ducks weren't doing a whole bunch of goofy stuff like Bombay Ducks were. Um, so at least the varsity coach was kind of throwing in some, um, some funny lines with that one. The varsity coach was also a referee in uh, D2. Um, so they just reused him. Um, yeah, I, I love the part where, like, they're kind of getting dirty, checking a bunch of guys, and Orion smacks the glass, and the other coach just looks over, and he's like, what? Come on. <laughs> like, he, like, couldn't give a fuck. Also, uh, the limo driver makes an entrance at the uh, the last scene of the movie. It's like that uh, dream sequence, but it's the limo driver in there. So had to bring it back, third straight podcast, and to throw a little homage to the limo driver <laughs> Okay, so you guys, I mean, you guys are teeing me up for it, but you're, you're wrong. I mean, okay, we, we can all... Are you, you going to go into the Hans funeral now? We can, we can have a group session on the Portman, but I'll bring that up later. Just, at um, least put your shirt on if you're about to talk about the Hans funeral. I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting all sorts of lubed up here. Uh, when I was in high school, I made a top 50 movie scenes of all time. And the Hans funeral scene came in at a number four on this list. Uh, now, given this list was like pretty embarrassing going back and looking at it, uh, a scene from Star Wars episode two was the number two moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the Hans funeral scene is just, I, to this day, I watched this film twice in the last week. And it just, the second that that funeral music starts playing or whatever the melody is, it is just it hits you right in the feel bone bombay just coming out of the woodwork popping out of the limo bringing the jersey and then just big timing the priest who's like about to like you know say the final prayer and she's like no father and then just drops the you know every time you touch the ice um incredible scene it's an incredible scene just heart-wrenching i love how it pans ac across the ducks and you just see all their different reactions. Banksy's stoic. Goldberg's like wondering when lunch is. And then it cuts to Charlie and he just, you know, disintegrates into tears. Incredible. And if to Mikey's point, if you merge those two scenes together all the way through to then Bombay hanging out with Charlie the next day, they're embraced the, Mir the Minnesota Miracle Man, uh, which is a callback to D2. I didn't realize that that's like initially Jan says that to Bombay and D2 and then basically uh bombay says that exact thing to charlie in d3 incredible scene it's I, I it's just great i mean that scene alone is probably the reason that this is my favorite movie of the trilogy uh but it gets me every time um yeah i'll i just need to cool down for a bit what do you guys got I'm going to say kind of a dick move by Bombay during the funeral to just completely interrupt the priest. Be like, oh, sir, it's a hold heat on check. a minute. It's a heat Sorry. It, I mean, he He's literally also, Bombay shows up late to the funeral um, and then just like interrupts the priest and throws a uh, Mighty Ducks jersey on <laughs> the casket. And, and, and you know, I know you made this point in a texting thread earlier, which I could not agree more of like the, the Mighty Ducks makes up maybe like less than 1% of Hans's life. Like the fact that they just throw that Jersey on his casket is like pretty insulting to 
any other youth hockey prodigy that that Hans may have had an effect on. Yeah, I mean, if anything, well, one, my big question is like, what is Hans's role for these guys? I obvi- I, I realize that he's probably like Bombay's sort of father figure once Bombay's dad passed away, but like, why, why does Russ Tyler care about Hans? <laughs> like. Why is Charlie all of a sudden like, oh, now now this is my grandpa figure. Uh, like, it literally makes up <laughs> less than... Try, try to watch it. Try to just not have tears in your eyes. The Ducks meant more to Hans than you guys will ever know. But, like, if anything, why didn't you put a battle hawk uh, or whatever, like a hawk's uh, sweater... On the casket, it said he was probably a no, Hawks Hans, mentor uh, no, for like Hans, forty years of his life. No, he he rode for District Five. I don't. I mean, you, we're done. The, we're done with this conversation. You guys are sick. <laughs> also, while we're mentioning this, I just have to because I had Hans in consideration for my Sixth Man Award simply because he's he's thrown hundred miles per hour this whole movie, but he's like he's like dealing out just incredible one-liners of wisdom. But the most impressive. I'm pretty sure that there's a scene where Charlie's leaving the shop and Hans like goes into cardiac arrest and Charlie like turns around. He's like, are you okay? And like to not worry, Charlie Hans like just stifles a heart attack. <laughs> and, like, he's like, ah, gotcha. like he was like messing with him. And then like, I think Hans like instantly dies after that. <laughs> I, I actually did have that question written down. Cause that's exactly what happens. Like Charlie's like, Hey Hans, you okay? And Hans is like, eye is kind of like bulging out of his socket and he's like like gives him like a thumbs up and then like he leaves and he's like goodbye charlie and then instantly dies so i mean i'll give you i mean that's pretty impressive that he literally held off on a car like a heart attack for three to four minutes just so charlie didn't have to witness it oh god hans is beautiful in this film all right Let's move on. We'll we'll hit the Portman. We'll hit the Portman entrance uh, in a bit. All right. Let's move right along. Let's see if we can cruise a little quicker. We are going to hit on the Man of the Match slash MVP award. We're looking for the top performer or the top element of this film. I don't have anyone written down for this, so I might have to spitball it. Uh, Mikey, you want to go first? I mean, I don't see how you go with anyone other than Coach O'Ryan. The man is the only person in the entire franchise of the films that actually teaches the ducks something that like real about hockey. Um, he has got an amazing, amazing emotional arc when you kind of find out that he left the pros to stick with his, uh, you know, paralyzed daughter. Um, he, he, he not only teaches them hockey, but he teaches them some phenomenal life lessons. Um, for, for a movie franchise that kind of centers around Bombay, like Orion teaches them more in 20 minutes than Bombay taught them this entire franchise. And he was the best part of this movie. Yeah. Mine's uh mine's Orion as well. And one other thing that Mike did not mention is, uh, when the Dean comes on the bus to take away their scholarships, Orion literally throws himself under the bus to save the team and then gets kicked out as well. So he shows loyalty to his team, to his, uh, you know, to his daughter, um, to his profession, et cetera. And he's, I'm with Mike, he's taught, actually taught hockey versus Bombay just letting him like, you know, inflate a, a ball and then just start like, oh, like a beach ball and just start throwing it around while Robertson uh, 
lassos everyone on the ice. Uh, shout out to that moment. No one will get this reference other than probably the three of us, but when O'Ryan tosses himself in front of the team and throws out the, like, they stay or I go. Very reminiscent of our senior year in college when uh, I got kicked out of one of our own fraternities, uh, frat parties, and one of our buddies uh, essentially threw out that exact line of like, hey, if you kick Runger out, then I'm leaving too. And and the guy who kicked us out hit him with a like, uh, you're not even supposed to be here. <laughs> Just like truly incredible stuff. But every time I see that line, that's what it reminds me of. So thanks, thanks, Colin, for having my back, even though nobody, <laughs> nobody cared. Um, all right, let's move on to the Daily Dud. And I wish I could say I'm going to uh, redeem myself here, but um, my Daily Dud, uh, again, this is one I struggled with, but once I saw it, I knew it could be nothing other than this because uh, this has like haunted my dreams. In the, in the Portman strip scene, once he first takes off his jersey, it initially – cuts to the crowd and they just explode with like uh, group orgasm. There's a woman and there's no way to not see this. She stands up and just gives like the biggest rodeo and she's got the worst underarm flap that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, go back and watch it. If they, you they call seen. that the bingo wing. Of, uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, that woman's getting <laughs> <laughs> that the so that 45 year old woman's uh underarm flab is my lvp <laughs> just random side note on that scene it it pans to charlie's mom and like she's definitely giving portman the fuck me eyes am i right <laughs> yeah well i mean like there's that, no reason like they zoom in and she kind of like gives like the i'm hot and bothered kind of look um like there's no reason to zoom in on her other than to show that and she's definitely she's into it She's divorced. It's fine. And they're the same age, so it also works. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Portman's supposed to be 14 and a freshman in high school and, like, the amount of shredded that that dude is, like, is – I mean, that's why we, that's why it's named the Dean Portman Award. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Uasis, who's your uh, LVP? Uh, so I just despise Conway the entire movie. But I won't me. say Conway. Anyway, since I've already trashed him so much, um, but I'll come with a general one, a little outside the box is stakes. So D1, they're the last boss, the last game is the state championship. Granted, it's in a league with eight teams, but it's a state championship. D2 is against Iceland in the world championships. D3 is a scrimmage against the varsity team. It just didn't like. I feel like they they did. That's why D two is my favorite. It's like the final boss is awesome. Like defeating Iceland is awesome. D three, like I just don't care about the varsity like one bit. And I think that's why I like D two significantly more. Is that I care about Ducks versus Iceland. I don't care about freshman versus varsity in a scrimmage. It's fair. It's very fair. I'm glad you brought up because that's like one of the first things you notice when you watch this full trilogy is just like the arc of this team is like very, very suspect. And again, yeah, it's like it's it's hard when your climax game is a scrimmage, essentially, um, which like I get it. It works with the plot. But like, couldn't they? I don't know. They focus too much on like 
the characters and stuff going on outside of hockey. Whereas if it was focused more on the actual hockey, they could have easily had it like picture like Friday night lights, you know, your favorite, you know, is us, but like picture Texas, it's a football state. Like the state championship for Texas football is like, bam, the stars come out. Like it's a big deal. If they did the same thing with hockey in Minnesota, like that could be, you know, it's not as high stakes as, the freaking junior Olympics, but like they could have made that mean something, you know, like I'm sure hockey in Minnesota at the high school level is like a pretty big deal. So I just feel like they should have just spaced it out a bit more because it's, it's hard to care about a freshman hockey team. Well, it'll even be harder to care about D four the uh, college rec league uh, floor hockey team. Fan fiction. <laughs> Uh, Mikey, LVP, who'd you give it to? Uh, Conway, you sick fuck. I mean, it's absolutely Conway, but since, again, we've talked about him enough, um, I'd like to give honorable mention or dishonorable mention in this to uh, Goldberg. Um, I mean, his performance in this movie is... uh, How the man keeps getting playtime is... It's suspect. Throughout the entire series, I think he probably has a save percentage of, like, less than 4% on, like shots attempted like you you really got to wonder how he stayed on the team let alone gotten play time I, I don't know if it's some sort of make a wish situation or what but um I mean he he just fails to perform from every every movie and I think he needs a, an honorable mention for worst player definitely a lifetime achievement award for Goldberg and just ineffectual uh goalie play um, which which makes the arc where like suddenly again they just mentioned this on the radio that he's like becoming a good defender and then the final game when they have to like put out their stopper lineup it's Conway Banks and Goldberg like it makes no sense like they don't show like when he actually became a good player so it's just like oh yeah no Goldberg like you earned it man it's like when although I will say not necessarily the Goldberg but I think Conway's like that last play of the game when Conway kind of drives in, does his patented triple deke, but then passes it back and throws them off guard. I think that's probably one of the best plays like of the game. Like I was like the only time I think in this like franchise where I'm like, I could actually like seen that play working. It's like a legitimate play. Like granted Goldberg waited like 20 seconds to actually well, yeah. take the shot. But if it was like a quick pass back to right, shot, right. like that, that like watching that, I'm like, Oh, that actually looked like real hockey to me. Fair. Yeah. It it is like when he passes it, there's like 1.5 seconds on the clock and then it takes Goldberg like 12 seconds to get the shot off and then it's still count. Yeah. Um, All right, let's move along. We're a little short on time as always. Let's hit the sixth man award. We are looking for a character who came in hot later in the movie or someone who was not a main person, but had a big impact off the bench. I'm guessing we might have some agreement on this. So uh, I gave it to Dean Portman. I couldn't see any way to not give it to Dean Portman. Almost the definition of this category, uh, even though he has his own category. But we talked about it with uh, Bombay showing up late to the funeral. Same thing here with Portman. The The audacity to show up to school and basically arrive, <laughs> for, arrive to your team in the third period of the final game of the season uh, like, you know, say there was some traffic and he was a little late. Like he just doesn't get there on time. Psychotic stuff showing up uh, in between the second and third period. 
And then his stats for the game, you know, pretty much plays three minutes before getting uh, before getting that penalty. In that three minutes, he flips a man over the glass, uh, which almost kills multiple fans. Point um, a sunshine from Remember the Titans, though. Yeah, the original, which this came out before. So oh, sunshine pulled the uh, sunshine pulled the Portman. Very true. Very true. Um, so yeah, he does that. Does some nice bash broing gets ejected essentially and then magic mics the entire uh high school crowd incredible stuff from portman love this character wish he was in the film more but every second he was here was was gold um, i mean the more realistic uh storyline should have been that portman was on academic suspension for the not having a b average versus just like what did he do he just chose not to go to school just like nah not feeling on signing that scholarship like the the more realistic storyline was just like Portman was, you know, academic suspension, and then they finally just waived it for the line final period or whatever. And then he came in and just did his uh, strip teasing. It's actually a great point. Like, would we say that this game is definitely forfeit because you can't just sign a scholarship like with like two weeks left in the year and be like, oh yeah, like I'm on the team now, and then just jump in with like three minutes left in a game. Uh, like you got to think that's breaking some sort of like yeah, I mean, he's definitely in, not a real student, right? He missed like several semesters. Yeah, I mean, in high school, if you miss class, I don't think my coach would let us play. Like, if you didn't go to school that day, like you couldn't play in the game. Well, yeah, he wasn't even a part which of the school, pretty, at that which time. is pretty standard, I think. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I will say it was like a scrimmage, so you know, since it wasn't an official game, maybe that was fine. Uh, But again, keep in mind, this is the same franchise that like Team USA was like picking up kids off the street to join their roster in D2. So I don't think they're too strict on the rules here. Uh, On this scene as well, I did have a huge, a huge issue with Goldberg trying to sneak himself into the Bash Bros. Uh, Like one one guy and suddenly he's a Bash Bro. Right. Uh, And then like even the announcer. Bash Bro. Very true. But even the announcer was like, oh, like Goldberg getting in on the bench. But like, I mean, that was just downright insulting. And also like Goldberg, you're a goalie. Why are you leaving your post to try to like check someone? You got to no. He, Goldberg was a defender at that point. Oh, that's right. That's right. You got to love the, uh, the voiceovers of Portman's character, like during that scene too, as they're like checking people. And then you hear like clearly, you know, the dub sound like, oh, got him, got him. And just like those like <laughs> random guffaws of joy as they're checking people. Also, they're like checking guys and then like, you know, high-fiving each other versus actually trying to like get the puck and stuff, <laughs> which, you know, whatever. Um, all right, well, let's transition right to the Dean Portman Award. Um, so again, for this award, we're looking for someone who is egregiously miscast in terms of age. Um, I'm actually excited about this category for this film because I think this might be the first time I was able to go the other way uh, from what we normally do. Uh, I actually gave this to the announcer kid we just mentioned. He looks like he's in about fifth grade. (laughs) That was my choice. Oh, dang it. Yeah. Uh, You know, again, normally we're going way older, but uh, yeah, you asked us, what do you think? This kid, how how old did he That was literally my, uh, like the sixth man is I love like uh, a kid announcer in these like kid movies like they're usually pretty funny they're dressed up in a suit uh it's usually when the movie starts going well for them is they kind of like start like pumping up the the crowd or whatever that's hilarious that you did the anti-dean portman as uh my choice was written down as the announcer um but if you want another answer then it's like the 
the walking dead guy from the varsity team. <laughs> like, like that guy plays a 40 year old man in walking dead or whatever, like five years later or something. I don't know when it is. Is, but he, like, is it, that guy is that, does not. Are you talking about Cole, Cole, the enforcer guy, the redheaded guy yeah. who gets lassoed. Yeah, yeah, that guy actually doing research. He was he was uh, like over thirty when they filmed this. They said he was like almost the same age as Emilio Estevez <laughs> during the filming. To to give a different answer, I think you give the entire varsity team as I mean, none of those guys look like they're in high school. Between that guy, I believe the main villain's name is Scooter. Uh, you know, they 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 all look like they're well beyond high school high school aged. That's probably a good call. I think Scooter might be the goalie. Uh, what's the? It's Riley. Is the main guy. Riley's the main guy. Yeah. Look, I'm gonna be honest. So I don't remember uh, who Scooter was. I just thought it needed to be mentioned that someone. He name looked was like uh, the main character in Greek, the Disney Channel movie about rollerblading. So I wonder if he's getting a little typecast for. Uh, <laughs> he's typecast in, uh, to rollerblading films. <laughs> All right, yeah. that that one that one take just made you worth your while for this entire trilogy because there's <laughs> not another human on earth that could make that reference. So thanks for all um, you Brink fans out there. They're really gonna well, draw well, in the views. I also did that research on uh, uh, the limo driver being in uh, oh, Lost and uh, Con Air. So that's that's let's true. Just bo- let's just bookend the trilogy with those two things. That's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we'll 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 definitely uh, clip those for your highlight reel that we'll be releasing <laughs> later. The limo driver and the fucking guy from Brink. Um, that and just coffee and extremely loud two inches away from the mic. That was incredible. Um, uh, let's move on to sequels, prequels, and spinoffs. Uh, we want to see some potential uh, potential spinoffs from this film. Uh, <clears throat> something that we could do with it uh i had two for this one so i'll give my first one um i think we could see a little uh sort of one tree hill type show off of like eden hall so basically like the same concept as one tree hill you know got high schoolers their love interests their athletic interests you know drama behind the scenes i could definitely see eden hall being like a CW show from back in the day, or if any of you have seen like all American or even like kind of like with a Friday night lights vibe, just like a show like that where we've got high school kids who are athletes, but then navigating the intricacies of love, then that would be good to see. Uh, Mikey Wasis, any, any takers for potential spinoffs? I've got one. If, if Mike, if you're still thinking, no, go for yeah. it. what's the limo driver up to? <laughs> uh i would say the uh it's like friday night lights tried to do this too is they sent riggins to college for a year and then he basically just like failed or like failed out after like you know three months i could see uh like a sequel where portman goes to college (laughs) and just becomes like uh like the van wilder of whatever college he's at or you know, kind of like a uh, Animal House where Portman's just basically running the show at some sort of uh, um, frat house. I forget what, uh, there's a show called like Blue Mountain State with just like uh, basically like uh, satires, like uh, like a football team in college or whatever. So I could definitely see Portman as a kind of like a Riggins type thing, trying to do a college thing and then just like, you know, not really working out for him. 
I wouldn't mind seeing Portman, even like Portman, Fulton, Conway combo in college. Maybe get my girl, uh, what's her name? Julie. No. What's the other chick's name? I like her better. Uh, all right. <laughs> what's her? It's like something Moreau or whatever. Uh, oh, Tom, go, Tom going for back to back. Oh, no, it is uh, Julie, right? Yeah, Julie. Connie, Julie. Connie Moreau. It's Connie. Oh, yeah, because it's Julie yeah. the cat, so it's Connie Moreau. Yeah, it's oh, Connie Moreau. Yeah, I like Connie. Um, um, what do you got, Mike? All right, that that made me think of a potential. I'm I'm thinking like 1980s, 1990s sitcom esque style, where after that scene, where after the final game, Portman starts dating Conway's mom, and then Conway now has to live with the fact that his friend and you know Bash Brothers mentor is now plowing his mom. I thought you were going to say that one of them gets put in a wheelchair and then his best friend starts dating the girlfriend while the guy's in a wheelchair. Oh my God. Wait, is that shout, out Jason, shout out Jason Street and Rigo. <laughs> Look, man, not everything has to be Friday Night Lights. <laughs> You're a coward, Riggins. But no, Always I think, will be. I think you have Portman dating Conway's mom. Conway's not happy about it. You get a, you get a season finale where Bombay comes back, expresses that he's still in love with her. Portman beats the shit out of Bombay, starts a huge brawl. You know, Charlie's you know, Charlie's crying. Right, you could work a couple seasons out of it. Um, Which I will, I, I will. I'd watch that. Speaking, I, I could see Portman kicking Bombay's ass. Did Bombay have a little bit of Benjamin Button syndrome going in this film? Like the the few scenes he was in, he looked like he was like twenty. Like he looked like he was aging in, in reverse in this film. Nobody. All right, speaking of Bombay, here's my other uh, potential show. Uh, I don't know what I want to do with this, but there's something here. What if Bombay was the one driving the car that sideswiped Orion's daughter in one of his, uh, <laughs> in one of, in one of his drunken, uh, drunken uh, DUI escapades, if you will? So then, like, the show goes backwards and shows, like, how everything led to this from that point. So just like a lost type thing where they're seeing backwards. Yeah. Just like a little flashbacks, like everything, how everything's interconnected. And then at the end, Orion finds out it was Bombay or something. And that would be great stuff. Pretty dark. (laughs) Let's hit the post game presser folks. Uh, Here's where we're going to wrap it up with any lingering questions or topics we haven't covered yet. Uh, I only had one thing for this and it's a small thing. Um, what do you guys, when, when Luis uh, asked the blonde cheerleader number one for five minutes after school, uh, how do you think he was going to utilize that five minutes in detail? <laughs> um, I think he's creaming his jeans in the first minute and then four minutes of cuddling. So you're, wow, you're jumping right there. I I was like, you asked for a detail. I'm giving you detail. <laughs> I mean, I was saying like maybe a makeout or something. These are well, I don't freshmen think he in gets, high school. I don't think he even gets there. That's why I said he creams his jeans. I think he puts the condom on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Like he doesn't know what he's doing with a like with an older woman. He puts it in his butthole or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are assuming that this 14 year old kid is 
taking a girl to pound town. Uh, no, I clearly said school. before it gets to that point, he creams his jeans. So and you're then saying he just tries to, yeah, I'm saying they're, they're probably making out, they're rubbing on each other. He, he, you know, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> creams his jeans and then, you know, tries to play it off. So they just like, kind of like awkwardly cuddle for the next four minutes. I will say, where does the game, like, I mean, you know, it's, we, we talked about how it's questionable, but Luis and Charlie both, they, they spit a little bit. Like they, you know, Charlie does a pretty good job on that bench scene, like talking to Linda. Uh, where does that come from? Like they just both. And then like when Luis sits down, he's like, I'm not looking for no girls. Like I want a real woman. <laughs> like, well, Charlie, Charlie has been watching numerous men pull these moves on his mom for years. So, Bombay, <laughs> the Bombay classic. <laughs> oh God, Bombay's gotten into the Bombay again. Call this the Triple Deke. <laughs> yeah, call this the Triple. You want deke. a knuckle puck? <laughs> no. Come on, man. That joke was used in D two, dude. I've got, I've got a, I've got a post game presser. In the fucker puck. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so a lot of those kid movies will do a, kind of like a montage at the end of the scene or at the end of the movie of like, oh, where are they now? Like Sandlot does that. Like, oh, that'd you know, be that incredible. Nerd, uh, nerd Smalls becomes like an architect or whatever. Um, so my question to you guys is, it doesn't necessarily have to go line by line, but where are they now? If you give me your like top three highlights of what, who are the funniest, where are they now? That's great. Also, Smalls definitely does not become an architect. He becomes the uh, baseball <laughs> announcer, which is the main plot of the whole film. So I question your... Oh, it's the treehouse guys thing. become the architect. Whatever. Yeah, the other very, nerds become the architects. Yeah, Timmy, right, so, Timmy and Tommy Timmons. <laughs> if we start with Conway, I think, I think Conway literally repeats the past and like almost mirrors Bombay's arc where like maybe he flames out with a hockey career. I don't think Conway's smart enough to become a lawyer, but maybe he is. But then he just gets into drink drinking, and and history repeats itself. And like, actually, I literally think that is the plot of like whatever that Netflix uh, ducks show is coming out. So I, I think see, uh, I think Conway doesn't make it out of the village or the town. Like he just <laughs> becomes a lifer. <laughs> is this like seventeen seventies uh, Philadelphia? I think he becomes like the Riley. Like where he basically doesn't leave, uh, he doesn't leave whatever city they're in, and just becomes a like a high school coach forever. Do you think him and Linda have legs? Probably an unhappy marriage. Maybe. No. Okay. Uh, Goldberg, uh, type one or type two diabetes. Uh, <laughs> this is actually exceedingly sad. Have any of you guys oh, seen yeah. like? Um, I mean, I mean, seriously, pretty fucked up. You laugh. Have you seen his like current, like the actor who played Goldberg was like recently arrested for like crystal meth or something. And like, <laughs> I mean, this is not a joke. You should not be laughing. Look up this guy's like mugshot. It's like, super I know. Sad. didn't he get arrested? And he was like, don't you know who I am? Yeah. It's like really sad. And he like, look, I mean, he looks like a meth head. It's, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Well, yeah. So well, I guess thanks, he for did, that. thanks for that, Mikey. So, yeah. No so worries. He did, he did lose some of the weight then. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. So we got Goldberg and Conway. Um, Banksy. Banksy. NHL. 
Banksy's either NHL or like college athlete, um, who just like may, maybe college athlete that then goes like college coach. Fair. I think Banksy is like Luka Doncic, but like American. <laughs> That's the vibe I get. Um, <laughs> I love Banksy. Banksy's the man. We didn't give him enough shine in Banksy this episode. Banksy is probably one of the best overall characters from this movie. I gotta say, movies. throwing it out there, when when Banksy comes back on on the Ducks, yeah, it just brought a smile to my face just seeing him with the old with the old crew. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, Banks. I, I like those calls for Banksy. How about a uh, Fulton Reed? Which actually, oh, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Is it Fulton Reed or Reed Fulton? Because I swear to God, in between films, it changes. Mike, like, I, I always thought it was Fulton. Reed. I thought it was Fulton Reed. Literally in Fulton. in this film, they call him Reed Fulton, and like on the back of his jersey, it says Fulton. Where in D two, it said Reed. I, Go back and look at it. It's crazy. But anyways, uh, where do we see where do we see Reed? I think he's sadly still in that alleyway. <laughs> um, still just slamming slap shots into that empty luggage. That was a that was a pretty funny throwaway line for uh, Conway, where he's just like, "Hey, Fulton, did you ever think about shooting into the alley versus just shooting into the street from the alley or whatever?" Which that kind of made me laugh. There's actually a lot. There's actually a lot of good lines in that, and then like uh, Goldberg shows up, and uh, he's like, "Oh, now I've got more people shooting at me," and and like Fulton's just like, "You're a goalie, dude. Deal." (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think he might. I think eventually he meets up with the limo driver, and they get something going together. Hmm. (laughs) A little partnership, a little one-two tag team. Selling crystal meth to Goldberg. (laughs) Oh, so now it's fine to make jokes about it. Shame on you. Shame hey, man, on you. Well, if we're going to be making Goldberg, jokes, I'm going to make some jokes. What if Goldberg's listening to this? Uh, hey, that'd be great. We just lost a, we just lost a viewer. I'd love for him to come on the pod. Do you think they get varsity views in prison? Rehab? Uh, how about uh, Averman? He's probably still selling uh, tickets at the Oh yeah, he went back and like immediately after graduating from Eden Hall, he just gets his old job back collecting ticket stubs. A- Averman's collecting ticket stubs at the theater, makes some like smart ass comment at some guy who's not having it and gets the shit kicked out of him. If not possibly just murdered in the alleyway of the theater. Um All right, I, got, I got I got two for uh All right, go. whatever category we're on right now. Um all right, one two hours, is two hours in. <laughs> in this scene when uh Fulton and Conway play hooky, is there anything in cinematic history more disgusting than two people <laughs> having their head in on the opposite side of the trash can and vomiting uh at the exact same time? I mean you can take cinematic out of there. That that like I mean that, that like if you think about what had to have been happening <laughs> between those two faces in that combined like that's disgusting yeah that that happened uh that happened on my college girlfriend's 21st birthday remember it with me and her both (laughs) simultaneously puking into my (laughs) oh all right so my second uh (laughs) i can tell you i can tell you it's not a pleasant experience so my second one for this category is um in the scene where I can they, tell uh, you guys, it's not somewhere you want to be. Emotionally, <laughs> physically, 
<laughs> we get it. A lot of questions were asked what, that weekend. You think she's a listener? <laughs> oh, we wish her nothing but the best. And congratulations for getting out of a relationship with this Jamoke. Um, but my other unanswerable question is giving away that zoom money (laughs) in in this scene where they trick the bar the junior varsity team into paying for that bill why did the restaurant not only allow the other the varsity team to leave but also deliver a cake that says thanks for the dinner (laughs) losers when clearly they were not going to get paid for like that 800 bill um yep I mean, I, I'm just going to say poor business model. Like, did they think they're going to be like, okay, like now they're going to pay us. Um, it, it seemed like a bad, bad play on the restaurant. Also in that scene, uh, making Connie be scrubbing the men's room toilets with Goldberg <laughs> is like just absolutely <laughs> unforgivable by the ducks. As we've got like Charlie's like freaking picking up dishes off the table and Connie's like literally stifling vomit as I think, I think in that scene too, Goldberg might actually be taking a dump like while scrubbing the toilet. Anything else? Let's, let's, let's try to wrap up this franchise a bit. Uh, You know, we are here at long last, the end of the trilogy, the mighty ducks, D2, D3. It's been quite a ride. What are some last thoughts as we as we wrap up this series? How do you guys different different thoughts than uh, before diving back into this this world of ducks? Uh, I don't know anything. Somebody toss toss me a line. Yeah, I think uh, I think I said before we started it or the, the first D one is that I kind of forgot how bad this movie was since it's been fifteen years. Um, but I think Tom said it best earlier where like this show made or these three movies sort of made me care about hockey for a couple hours as uh, you know, growing up, I wasn't really into hockey, but you know, this whole genre, Sandlot, Little Giants, D3, Mighty Ducks basically made me care about hockey, which is, which is cool. So in general, I had kind of good, good uh, feelings and memories watching, rewatching these as a 30 year old. Yeah, I think I think you watch them now. I mean, yeah, I don't think they hold up as good as like a Sandlot does. Um, I think you take away some of the nostalgia and they're not that good of movies anymore. But I think when you kind of lump them in with that whole category of kind of those 90s kids movies, you know, it still it still gives you, you know, kind of a, a warm feeling, a good kind of place. Uh, it just kind of brings you back to that time. So I, I think in the pantheon of kind of children that was kids movies it kind of works um but i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest if you're in your 30s to go watch these movies for the first time but i would suggest you listen to this podcast about the movies absolutely and and one other thing too is uh we kind of all kind of make fun of those weird slapstick comedy joke scenes but like as you're a 10 year old kid that's probably what you find more interesting than the you know quality of the hockey or stuff like that so it's like you know it's definitely made for not the three-year-old guys pretty much so that's like the one other thing is just like well that's kind of a lame scene but like as a 10-year-old you're probably laughing your your balls off watching that scene yeah that is fair that if you evaluate it through the lens of you know a teenager uh you're gonna you're gonna have a different experience viewing this so good point um 
Yeah, I don't know. I liked all these films. I'd, I'd seen them all like fairly recently, so not too much changed. I'd say the biggest thing was like realizing how flawed Bombay was as a character was like one of my main takeaways um, from this. But overall, just continuing to grow my love of Portman and, and Hans, uh, you know, just each time I watch, just gets strengthened and strengthened. Um, well, that wraps it up. We uh, tried to keep this one short and failed miserably, but um, that is the conclusion of D3. Thanks to everybody. Uh, Chris, thanks for submitting that question. Sorry we had some technical <laughs> difficulties. You know, like I said, if we could get a few more uh, donors uh, on a monthly basis, just any, anything you can do counts. And, you know, we might be able to get a little bit better technology here. But we will be checking in with our next film. We've got some decisions to make. We'll see where we're going to go from here. Um, you asked us, I'd like to say, you know, we'll let you know what's next. But let's just say it's been great working with you, man. <laughs> um until next time, thanks again to all of our sponsors. Uh, and again, if anyone's interested in sponsoring us, please reach out. We have some really good uh, sponsorship packages we offer. Uh, but until that time, thanks everybody for tuning in. And we will leave you with quack. 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 Hey, quack. knock that shit off. All right. Go team on one and a half. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>